It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I am your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the baseball guru himself, Uncle Dave, better known as Dave Essler. You guys can find him on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler. And you can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Here we go, Uncle Dave, NL West Division. We're going to go ahead and preview what we think might happen here in the National League West. Now we have some odds here. World Series odds, title odds. We have a bunch of player props as well. We're going to talk about the divisions, probably talk about the bullpens, lineups, everything that we see as of right now. Now we're still right around 10 or 11 days away from first pitch. So Uncle Dave, I'm getting excited. I want to go ahead and I want to talk some World Series odds real quick. Right now the Dodgers are an overwhelming favorite. Uh, to go ahead, them and the Yankees, to go ahead and uh, represent um, their leagues in the World Series. Now, one of the things I found interesting, Uncle Dave, was the drastic gap with the NL West division odds. Now, the Dodgers are minus 750, Padres right around 8-1, to D-backs right around 9-1, to the Rockies 30-1. to Seems like everybody and their mother, Uncle Dave, is just going to go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of back the Dodgers here that they're going to go ahead and represent the NL West division, but I want to know if you think there's any other team in that division that could possibly go ahead, represent, make the playoffs or win it all. Well, I don't know. You know, this is a COVID season again. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm not betting the Dodgers at my, anywhere between minus 800 and minus 1,000. Now, I do think Arizona has a chance if, in fact, somebody wanted to, to get that great price of plus 800, Again, a lot of things would have to happen. But let me tell you what I did bet, Sleepy. I bet Arizona 3-1 to one to make the playoffs. I think they can. They're an 85-win team last year. They add Bumgarner. He doesn't have to be what he used to be. Uh, Marte, Cole, Calhoun. And they still have Robbie Ray, who has a massive upside. And I look at their pitching. Zach Gallon's a number three starter. That kid could be a one on some teams. You know, they grabbed him from the fish last year at the trade deadline. 80 innings in MLB with the two clubs last year. Kid struck out 96 guys with a whip of 1.23. With that said, the bullpen looks kind of shaky. But this is one of those teams that might really be looking at an opportunity in a 60-game season that they probably would not have otherwise, which I think those odds reflect otherwise, if you will. So I do like Arizona to make the playoffs at 3-1. to one. Um, I don't know that I would waste any money on plus 800 to win the division, a lot of things would have to happen. You know, the Dodgers got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder from the whole sign-stealing thing. So, um, you know, all things being equal and both teams being mainly healthy and playing 60 games, uh, it's the Dodgers to lose, clearly. I don't think Arizona can catch them. I do think they can make the playoffs. I was looking at the Rockies, Uncle Dave, and it was just shocking to me that they were at 30-1 to to go ahead and win the division, but they're also 150-1 to to go ahead and win it all. Personally, I like the Rockies lineup. You got guys in there like Story, Blackman, Arenado, also Daniel Murphy, who at times, you know, he could get hot. Now, I think there's a lot of guys in there who, you know, they, they could go ahead and, and post a strong batting average. And I just don't know why they're, they're you know, at 30 to 1. Is there anything that I'm missing? They have Marquez in the starting lineup. They have John Gray, Freeland, Sensatilli. I mean, guys that have been there for, you know, a number of years with that organization. But I just don't know why. This team's odds are 30 to 1, 150 to 1 to win it all. Explain to me, like, what's going on? Because, Uncle Dave, I like this lineup. 
Tell me something about the Rockies that I might be missing. Well, I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with quite a few of those guys. Now you you listed all their starters. Um, Marquez is clearly the number one, but I'm not super high on the rest of those guys. I, I think their names. You know, Gray has had his moments in the sun. Freeland has. Uh, Sensatella did. You know, then their fifth starter is Chichi Gonzalez, who quite frankly sucks. Uh, I thought he was going to be okay. Came up with the Rangers, I think, and got absolutely pulverized. But I think the best player on their team, at least in the from a pitcher, is Wade Davis, their closer, and he may never get to close much. And I think the big thing with the Rockies that worries me is the whole uh, Nolan Arenado bullshit in the offseason. I mean, it's not bullshit. He he probably deserves to be treated a little better than he was by the Rockies. So I think there's a little friction there between he and them, which I would think almost has to carry over into uh, the clubhouse, I guess, if you will. You know, they, they do have some weaknesses. I mean, you know, their infield is is marginal at best. You know, Story's another one of those guys that's going to hit it over the fence or not. Um, you know, it's second Hampton, uh, second base, you know, Garrett Hampson unknown, Ryan McMahon at first, David Dahl. I mean, yeah, they, they have those halves in there uh, with Blackman and Daniel Murphy, and Arenado, but they do have a lot of have-nots. Even Tony Walters behind the plate is not going to put up a lot of runs. And I, I just think historically, when they get outside of Coors Field, they're they're not the same team. I mean, I could I could go back and cite records, but I don't think I need to. I mean, they're typically uh, night and day. You know, if they're a 600 team at home, uh, they're a 400 team on the road. So I think when you add all that up, and then you add the fact that they, you know, did little or nothing, mostly nothing, in the off season to up that team. I mean, you know, how can they be better than they were last year, which was not very good? I mean, you know, they had to sign a guy like Matt Kemp. Um, come on now. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I think you're looking at, at, at names there. I mean, I, you know, when I first look at those names, I think, you know, there was a time I used to bet on almost all their starting pitchers. Um, John Gray was one of them, but, you know, John Gray last year, um, strikeouts were way down, um, hits were way up. John Gray just just did not have a great deal of success, and again, especially outside of Coors Field. And I and I just think that's a big thing to overcome. So I guess my, the bottom line is, are they, are they undervalued at that price? Yeah, probably because they do have an upside. But is there a price where I could conceivably put my money on them? Probably not. So why don't we look at the Padres? I mean, that's a team that, you know, has pretty decent odds right now. Second favorite in the division, right around 7-8-1. to one. But we do have some player props. We have Fernando Tatis Jr. We have a prop with him. We also have a prop with Manny Machado. I think their lineup's half decent. I'm not so sure, Uncle Dave, about their pitching. Now, there's a guy in there, Garrett Richards. He comes from the Angels. He's pretty decent. Uh, you got Lament. You got Paddock. You got a number of guys. Zach Davies is there as well. Why don't you talk about the Padres and, and at least shed some positive light on that team, you know, how they've gone from, you know, one of the worst teams in the league to, as of right now, you know, the NL West, second best team in that division. Coming into last year, they had all that upside, like a ton, and there was a lot of buzz around them, a lot of hype, uh, but they eventually found themselves DFL, um, you know, dead freaking last they had all those high-priced players, you know, Machado, Hosmer, Will Myers. They just didn't perform. And, you know, Tatis uh, was injured a lot. Um, I think he only played in 84 games. 
you know, and, and then you look at this year, they got those four. They added Tommy Pham, which, you know, I actually do like him a lot. It could stabilize their offense, but I'm not I'm not sold on that pitching staff. You know, Pomerantz, you know, he, he may do well in that particular park. He's a fly ball pitcher, and uh, suffice it to say, that didn't work well in Fenway Park. Um, if, if Richards is healthy, yes. Lamette, you know, when he first came up, there was a lot of buzz around him. Um, but I think there, the big thing is going to be they got a prospect, Mackenzie Gore, um, that could be a difference maker. But the downside for me is the Padres' um, management. And we've talked on some of the other podcasts, or maybe we haven't, so I will again, that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of preparation uh, this year. And I'm not a huge fan of new managers, whether it be in the NFL or in MLB. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to automatically fade them, but it will take me a little bit more to get behind them. And they got Jace Tingler, who's their new manager this year. And not only is he their new manager, he's never been a manager before. And he was with the Rangers. And I think his official title there was assistant general manager for major league player development and field coordinator. So to me, that's a quantum leap to managing a team. So I think, again, they have the talent, but do they really have the pitching to carry them uh, all the way or to go far enough? You know, they, you know, Kirby Yates is a relatively decent closer, but, you know, honestly, there's already been talk of if the Padres are, are not playing for anything of them trading him at, you know, whatever the deadline might be, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like their pitching uh, at all. As I said, they they have an advantage at Petco because it's a big-time hitters park, but I just don't see their pitching being able to carry them uh, for much more than a 500 team. So uh, when you add that with a new manager, I don't think there's a number that could get me to take the Padres. I like Chris Paddock. I could see them uh, being a team I would bet on game to game because they do have some upsides. But to maintain anything for 60 games, I think, is probably a bit much of a stretch, Sleepy. So I want to circle back to one of the guys that we mentioned here, Fernando Tatis. And one of the things I found, and you just mentioned it, Uncle Dave, is that he only played like half the season last year. He played 84 games. He has a total for his total steals at eight and a half. Now, he had 16 total steals last year. So let's just say he went and he played a normal, regular full season he would have probably had somewhere around 35, 36, 37 stolen bases. Now, he's listed right now at eight and a half. There's juice on the over. But had he end up playing the entire season last year, he probably would have finished with right around, you know, 35, 36, 37. That would have been best for – that would have put him right around fifth, sixth in the league. And if we go back to what Acuna did last year, he was right around fifth, sixth in the league. That's where he finished. And his total is 11 and a half steals. So I feel that there's a mispricing here with Tatis. One of the reasons is, you know, obviously we're looking at what he did last year. And I don't think that they're really putting into account, Uncle Dave, that, you know, he only played half the season. That if he plays a full season, you know, maybe he could get, you know, maybe he should be, you know, more around 11 and a half, not eight and a half. I just feel that there's a mispricing there. And the fact that there is juice on the over, I like that one as well. And I have a feeling, you know, that he may be aggressive. It seemed like the Padres were aggressive last year um, with base stealing. I think I think Margot 
was one of the guys on that team last year that actually had a pretty decent season as well, um, stealing bases. So to me, it seems like San Diego is, is a little bit more of an aggressive team. A- any thoughts on that, Uncle Dave? You know, he's got a bat first, so he's going to get that extra at bat for sure. The thing that would worry me about him not getting those steals, and, and I'm not really trying to talk you out of it. I'm just trying to give you the other side of the coin or, or our listeners. You know, he's right now it's projected for Tommy Pham to hit behind him. And Pham is not one of those guys that advances runners. He, he, I don't see him as a as a two hole hitter at all. But that's where he's supposed to be. And then of course you got Machado behind him, and and Machado is not the the RBI guy. You know he's the swing for the fences, which means if he doesn't swing for the fences, he's the GIDP ground into double play guy. And what? Um, so you know, yeah, on paper when I look at what he did last year at Tatis with steals, um, yeah for sure. The, the downside is is he doesn't walk a lot. He only walked 30 times last year and obviously in half a season. The other downside is in half a season or 84 games, he struck out 110 times. So you're looking at over 200 strikeouts. And, and for a leadoff hitter to hit 317 with only an on-base percentage of 379, I think that may be why they have that total set as low as they do. And you're right, it may be too low. But it's not an auto bet. It's for sure something to look at. Absolutely. I think one of the things I can do, obviously, there's a there's a small sample size there, Uncle Dave, is maybe go through and look at the pitchers that he faced last year. And maybe he just faced like an abundance of, you know, pitchers who were just hard to steal on. And if I could dig into that and maybe I find, you know, at least something that's favorable with the way that I'm thinking that this number could be short, you know, maybe that is a potential bet that I can make. So let's jump over to the Giants, Uncle Dave, a team that we didn't even include in our NL West odds. This team obviously is the longest shot within the division, but they're 151 to go ahead and win it all. You know, they're going to lose their star catcher, Buster Posey. He's opted out. I'm not sure what you think about this team, Uncle Dave, but this is like a team to me where they just seem like they held on to this lineup that should have won the World Series, you know, a number of years back. These guys are still on the team. I mean, you got Crawford there, Pence, Longoria, uh, Belt, Yastrzemski. I mean, these guys have been on the team for a number of years now, and they just don't produce. And you have a pitching staff of Cueto, Samarja, Guzman, Smiley. I mean, it seems like this is like the, uh, you know, I don't want to say senior citizen bunch of the league, but there's just a lot of players that have a lot of age on them. A lot of players have been on this team for a number of years is there anything positive with the Giants, you know, going into this season? You know, how are you looking at the San Francisco Giants right now? Well, um, I'm, I'm looking at them as a game-to-game thing. Obviously, you mentioned Posey being out. But like you said, they're old. I mean, they, nothing was expected of them last year. And actually, were respectable. You know, they were just a few games under 500. So, you know, I asked myself, is it fair to count them out this year? And the answer is yes. All I need is one reason, but I'll give you a bunch. They go from Bruce Bochy to Gabe Kapler. I mean, that's an extreme managerial downgrade. And Kapler doesn't have the luxury of Baumgartner or Will Smith. You know, I, And you're right. I think the Giants' offense is Yastrzemski and a bunch of 30-somethings. And then, of course, you mentioned Posey being out. And my first thought when I saw that was, well, you know, he's not the – you know, he, he's had his knees bent for a number of years. He's not the, the offense that uh, the offensive threat that he used to be. But I think that would have really hurt their pitching staff. And then I look and I see who's going to catch uh, 
if Posey doesn't. And right now, it's slated to be Tyler Henneman, who has 11 career at-bats. So, you know, not only is it a downgrade for even a even a three-quarters of a Posey, but it's clearly going to be a downgrade for handling the pitching staff. And, you know, you mentioned their age, and, you know, Billy Hamilton right now is on the 10-day injured list. Pence is day-to-day. Brandon Belt's day-to-day. Pablo Sandoval's day-to-day. But I think he weighs like 350 pounds. Like, seriously, he's, he's a big boy anymore. Um, their pitchers, you know, Coito can have his day. Samarja can have his day. Um, Gaussman may be a little underrated in that park. Um, I might look to bet on him in AT&T Park, big-time pitcher's park. Uh, Gaussman, a big-time fly ball pitcher, but he might get away with that. And even their four-starter, Drew Smiley, is also – it kind of reminds me of a Drew Pomerantz. He just throws that kind of thing that looks like he should be able to hammer it from, from – especially from a left-handed pitcher. Um, and, and I think when those two guys pitch – you might get some value on betting that, on them at home. Um, and obviously, quite on Samarja with the, the names and the upside um, probably would be, I mean, they, they likely won't be favored in too many games. Uh, but even if they're underdogs, it, it might only be plus 110, plus 120. And I don't see myself being able to do that. But with all those changes and now no Posey and this kid handling the pitching staff and half their, half their lineup limping, um, I, I can't find any redeeming value for them to win their division in anywhere between. I think I think about a line had them fifty to one, and I've seen uh, I've seen as high as hundred to one. Uh, and and I, I have to say that even in a COVID year of sixty games, uh, no chance in hell of that happening. So find something good about the Giants. You asked, uh, good, yeah. As I said, maybe with Gaussman and Smiley at home, you might be able to get them uh, at a good number on the run line. But beyond that. I can't find anything good, buddy. You know, when you talked about the lineup limping, the first thing I thought of going back to last year, well, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose one of your best players like Posey. But going back to last year, you know, this team, you know, there was a lot of guys on this team that just didn't play. You know, Sandoval played like 100 games. Dickerson played like 60. Yastrzemski played only like 100 games last year. I mean, there are a lot of guys in this lineup. Longoria only played like 125, 130 games last year. Like, I just remember a lot of guys on this team you know, end up coming up short. Um, they seem like they wanted to take days off. And I get it. You know, if you're out and you're not playing well or, you know, if your team's just getting, you know, drilled night in and night out, you know, maybe you're not as motivated to play. But, again, it's the same lineup from last year, at least. You know, there's a lot of guys who are on, in this lineup that are in there from last year. I just worry that th- this team is going to be a team that, you know, kind of folds it up. You know, you got guys like Pence who haven't really stepped in the box in quite some time. Like, I, I just – the names look good, Uncle Dave. It's, it's similar to where you, you talked about the Rockies. Like, yeah, you got Belt, you got Dickerson, you got Pence, Posey, Crawford. I mean, there's names there, but, you know, they've been there forever. And it just seems to me like, you know, this is like, I guess, like the last straw, I guess, maybe for this Giants lineup. I have a feeling this team breaks up completely after this year. And uh, I think maybe a lot of guys might actually know that and maybe they'll realize that at some point. I'm sure they want to get paid. But I just worry that this team just uh, – they don't play, you know, with this full lineup for very long. I, I have a feeling that this team is going to look like, you know, some skeleton crew where, you know, we, we probably end up betting against them early, maybe, you know, after a couple of games. I just have a feeling we might find value betting against them. And like like you talked about with the Marlins, you know, you're going to pick your spots with that team, and you said it here with the Giants. I have a feeling there might be fewer chances uh, to bet this Giants team than there are with the Marlins. 
Speaking of ballparks, Uncle Dave, let's jump over to the Dodger ballpark in the L.A. Dodgers. Now, this team, plus 375 to go ahead and win the division. We have a ton of player props with this team. I mean, you have Kershaw, Betts, Bellinger, Bueller. We have NL batting averages as highest batting averages. We're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about the lineup, Uncle Dave. I look at this lineup, and I'm like, you know, could it get any better? And I actually think that it can. I like Betts, Muncie, Turner, Bellinger, and Seager. You know, after you get to the once you get to the six hole with Jock Peterson, Beatty, Smith, and Lux, uh, I think it falls off a little bit. I think a lot of people are are looking at this Dodger team, thinking you know that this lineup is just you know murderers row in a sense. But you lose David Price out of that starting rotation. It's not that I don't like the Dodgers, Uncle Dave, but I think I'm just being a little bit, you know cautious with saying that this team's going to go all we've seen them before you know fold up like a cheap suit so um you know tell me why the Dodgers will get there tell me why they won't tell me what you think about the lineup talk to me about the Dodgers a little bit they're the clear-cut favorite and and I don't think losing David Price is a big deal I'm not a huge fan of David Price to begin with they still have Kershaw who I think will be a little bit on a pitch count Walker Bueller is still above average Urias is above average Alex Wood always seems to hurt me. Um, yeah, they added Mookie Betts, and I'm not ready to anoint him. Uh, the second coming, he, he's not in Fenway Park anymore. He's going to see a bunch of pitchers he hasn't seen before. Um, but even with a little bit of regression, they're going to come down. I think I think the big thing, you know, obviously they they also have Kenley Jansen, who did test positive. Maybe he didn't test positive, but he didn't make the trip. I think he did test positive. And uh, now I guess he's almost cleared, and he feels fine. I'm not sure if he was – asymptomatic or not and you know even with a guy at second like Gavin Lux who I I don't know a whole lot about but by first pitch I certainly will you know they just have they have too much talent to not win that division and the other thing you know it's been sort of talked about publicly which was a little bit surprising to me and you know they got a chip on their shoulder for what they feel was getting cheated out of a World Series with a sign stealing incident so you know I guess I guess you know they're a team that's looking to to win, to win now. And I, I think actually, barring a COVID thing, this is one team that I think a 60-game season actually helps uh, because they do have, you know, some of those arms have actually seen a lot of pitchers. So I think being able to sort of allocate them properly, I think is actually a help for a team like the Dodgers. So, you know, I, I think they're minus 750 to win the NL West probably for a very good reason. And I think... What's interesting is they're they're clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in that division, uh, but the odds are making the other teams look a lot worse than they are. Like we talked about Arizona, we talked about the Padres, and they're not a terrible team. Uh, the odds are just terrible because they're in the same division with the Dodgers. And I don't know uh, that in the history of the planet any team has ever been minus 750 to win their division. Um, they're going to win their division. Would I ever in a million years – Lay minus 750 on it? No, because, again, it is a COVID year, and, you know, it could just go through the entire team. But I think the Dodgers, uh, if they stay, you know, halfway healthy, and I don't necessarily mean hamstrings and knees, I mean um, pandemic-wise, then then they'll win that division. Um, you know, we can talk about some of their player props later, but because they may well have a big lead, I like a lot of their unders. And unless you can find me a reason why the Dodgers won't win that division, I think they'll win that division. My biggest concern, Uncle Dave, for the Dodgers is is actually their pitching. I think that Kershaw will probably pitch rather well. 
I like the fact that he doesn't have to go the entire year, you know, going out there trying to throw the ball 30, 35 times in a season. You know, he seems to wilt, you know, as we get to the postseason. I think, you know, one of the reasons is because he just pitches so many damn innings. And, you know, you have to credit a guy like Kershaw for, you know, pitching solid throughout and getting you that far. But, again, I think the shortened season will help him. Now, my concern for, you know, the Dodgers is the fact that Ryu's gone, Maeda's gone, now you lose David Price. Like, it definitely shortens up their bench, but it shortens up their starting rotation. You know, I'm not sure how you feel about Uris or you feel about Wood, guys that will end up stepping in. But you have a guy like Stripling who's, you know, supposedly coming out of the bullpen. He could be a starter. I mean, he could easily fill in. But, you know, I worry about, you know, the the third, fourth, and fifth guy that's going to come in here and pitch for – you know, pitch for the Dodgers. I'm I'm pretty sure you feel comfortable with Kershaw and Bueller, but what about, you know, the three, four, five guy like Uris Wooden and whoever else might step in there? You think that we might end up with uh, you know, pitch every four days situation? Do you have any concerns whatsoever with the pitching staff at all? Well, I most surely do. Um as you mentioned, once you get past Kershaw and Bueller, there's a drop off to Urias, and I think there's a little bit bigger of a drop off to Alex Wood, and I guess right now Dustin May, who I don't have a lot of faith in, is supposed to be their fifth starter. Um, I do a little bit like their bullpen. You know, they got two guys like Blake Trainin and, and Joe Kelly that both can go, that are former starters, that both can go a lot of innings. So um, I, I think you're going to see them use that bullpen an awful lot. Now, is that uh, third, fourth, and fifth starter enough for them not to win the division? No, my knee-jerk reaction for that would be, um, uh, you know, they're going to be like, you know, that's another game-to-game thing, which is I think is where the real value is, and I think there's a lot of it in this 60-game season. You know, th- those would be situations where I would look uh, too bad against the Dodgers, uh, especially if they're not hitting um, on the run line. You know, they'll get they'll get into a situation that at AT&T uh, where the Giants have no offense and maybe, maybe even in Petco where they have a – a good sized stadium to where, you know, the Dodgers are going to be grossly all overvalued. I mean, you know, even Urias and Alex Wood will probably be, you know, minus 180 to minus 220, which is absolutely insane. But then you'll have a total of like seven, which to me, that's automatically, I'm going to take the other team plus one and a half at basically even money. So, you know, do I see that being enough of a weakness for them to not win the division? No. Do I see that as a huge opportunity for spots to bet against the Dodgers in, in games? Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about some player props here, Uncle Dave, and let's pretty much just you know focus in on some of the Dodger guys. One of the bets I was thinking about making is Mookie bets under his season hits. Right now it's right around 62 and a half. You know, you talked about you know players being comfortable before and, and, and moving from one division or moving from one team to the other. You know, I think that this is a big downside for Mookie Betts that he's going to end up moving out of the AL East, moving to the NL West. You know, the the, the ballparks there are, are a lot different, and he's going to see a lot of different pitchers. I also feel that Betts might have a lot of pressure on him to go ahead and really perform and, and you know, be the guy that's supposed to come in and lead this team to the World Series. So why don't you talk about Betts? I think his under hit 62 and a half, you know, has a little bit of value there. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I looked at that too. I'll tell you what that I did make was was bets under 11 and a half home runs. And there are a lot of reasons to like that for me anyway. First off, it's it's bye-bye Fenway Park where last year he hit 314 at Fenway. And on the road, he only hit 275. 
So I look at that and I said, huh, which is not surprising, but I mean, that's a pretty big gap. I mean, that's damn near 40 points. He also hit 17 of his 29 home runs in Fenway Park. So now he gets 30 games in Dodger Stadium. We know that's a pitcher's park, uh, especially if they're playing at night where the ball doesn't travel, which they typically do. Then he gets he gets a ton of games at Petco and AT&T, which would be Padres and Giants. Those are big-time pitcher's parks. And then you go back to the AL East where he used to play. He doesn't play in Toronto with a roof open. He doesn't play at Oriole Park. He doesn't play at Yankee Stadium. And we all know those are those are launching pads. Then 11 and a half translates to 31 homers in a full season, which he's done once in three years. So he's facing, as you said, entirely new pitchers. Um, so getting a dozen dingers, I think, is a stretch. And to me, he struck out over 100 times last year, I think 91 the year before. Um, and he also walked almost 100 times. So that takes away opportunities for home runs. It actually, it actually helps you. But I think bets under 11 and a half home runs look solid to me. So if you like bets under the 11 and a half home runs, Uncle Dave, you can get him right now 11 to 1 to be the highest batting average in the National League. I mean, there would be no way that you would ever take that, would you? I mean, Yelich is 8-1. to one. He's going to see a lot of the same teams. Like, I just feel like, you know, if, if you're a Mookie Betts guy, um, and we're trying to, you know, tell people, you know, what we honestly think, you know, I, I don't I don't see how the hell you could put any money on Betts to go ahead and have the highest batting average um, in that division. I just don't see it. Would you, would you recommend, you know, maybe staying away from that one for our listeners? Well, I most certainly would. I mean, you know, as I said, and you mentioned too, he's going to see a bunch of other pitchers, new ballparks, new sight lines. And remember I said he walked 100 times last year. Well, that's going to give him less official at-bats, but less chances to get hits, which is where your batting average is going to come from. And if you look at that as Yelich being 8-1 to and Betts being 11-1, to um, you know, those aren't that much different. I mean, I guess, okay, mathematicians will argue with me um, and they're right. But in reality, um, I think there's a bigger difference between Yelich and Betts getting that batting title. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, Yelich has done it before. Betts hasn't. And now you're asking him to do it going into a new league, new ballpark, um, new season, 60 games, um, all these other variables. Um, I just don't see it. I'm a Mookie fan. You guys, a lot of you guys know I'm from Boston originally, um, love Mookie, hated to see him go, but that's an awful lot to ask him to switch leagues and lead the league in hitting now. On the other side, he could get super hot for 60 games, but I wouldn't want to bet my money on it. If I could get him at 11-1 to or Yelich at 8-1, to it'd be a no-brainer to take Yelich from me, Sleepy. You know, it's funny, Uncle Dave. You talked about, I would say, and I said I have to bring this up on the next podcast. You know, before Christian Yelich was even a household name, let alone – you know, the star that he is, you know, when he was still on the Marlins, I want to say it was a year before he was a household name. He said, this kid, you said, this kid might be the best player in baseball. And I, I knew the name, like I knew Yelich, but I'm like, you know, uncle Dave's crazy. And then you started saying the same shit about Acuna, you know, I think it was, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before, but yet last year you were all over him. So now I'm wondering, I'm like, you know, this guy's going to be good too. And, one of the things that, you know, I love talking to you about is, you know, you're a good evaluator of baseball talent. And um, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I definitely I was thinking about that the other day. You know, when it comes to bets, Uncle Dave, one of the reasons why I certainly want to go ahead and make that wager. I mean, if you go through and you look at his schedule and I briefly look at it, 
looks like he only played like nine games against NL West teams, and a couple of those were against the Dodgers. So you're going to have to obviously take that out. I just don't think he has enough at bats. I, I think that that would be, I think that would be a bet that I certainly will want to go ahead and avoid. Uncle Dave, let's look at the pitchers here. We have Clayton Kershaw, total strikeout seventy and a half, total wins five and a half. You also have his uh, number guy, number two guy in the rotation, Bueller, eighty and a half. Now he's going to be ten strikeouts over what Kershaw is, but they have the same over and under for wins five and a half. Why don't you go ahead and talk about Kershaw? Talk about Bueller. Um, the fact that, you know, Bueller's has 10 more strikeouts than uh, than a Kershaw does and both of their wins at five and a half. Maybe you could go ahead and figure out a, a wager to make with those guys. Well, I want to go back to the whole Christian Yelich thing. I mean, two years ago, I don't remember saying that, but if you say I did, then I did. And, you know, the cool thing, uh, the position that I'm in now, if I said that about Acuna, I could be dead wrong about Acuna and still be batting 500. I mean, that's just awesome. So thank you for that. Um now, I looked at, I mean, let, let's just get realistic for a minute here. The Dodgers are the Uber public team. Every Dodger prop is going to be higher than it probably should be. And I, I can't uh, find one that I could take the over on, and, and good luck. Uh, one I did take was Kershaw under 70 and a half strikeouts. And I'll tell you why. In the last two years, he's averaged just a tad over a strikeout an inning. In the last four years, he's averaged 165 innings a year. Last year, he threw more innings than he had in four years. So this year, little or no spring training, the guy's 32. That's not old, but he's 32, and you know pitchers can start to fall off. You look at his health. He's had bicep tendonitis. He's had back issues. Had him on the, the IL four times in five years. So go back to the stats and – you know, assuming everything were quote-unquote normal, he'd pitch 61 innings this season. I don't think he will, but even if he does, use his four-year average of strikeouts to inning pitched, he'd have 64.7 strikeouts this season. And everything is not normal. So to ask him to improve his four-year average by 10% in a bullshit year to get 70.5 strikeouts I think is ludicrous. So I love Kershaw under 70.5 strikeouts. Now, Bueller may go the other way. I'll let you tell me what you want to do with Walker Bueller. I'm taking Kershaw under 70.5Ks, buddy. One of the things I was thinking about when it came to Bueller and Kershaw, and it's a pretty simple question to you, Uncle Dave. You know, Kershaw's listed as the number one, Bueller's as the number two. But do you feel that Bueller should be the number one? Um, you know, that's a good question. I mean, should he be based on what? I mean, are you going to base it on statistics? Are you going to base it on history? You're going to base it on, on who you trust. I mean, I, I think it's a toss-up. I mean, if you look at what Bueller did last year, I mean, 180 innings, a whip of 1.04, which I love, doesn't walk anybody, neither does Kershaw. Strikes up 215 guys in 182 innings. I mean, that's just insane. That's why his his uh, strikeouts are higher than Kershaw's, obviously. But I, I think you could put either one there. I mean, I think they probably slotted Kershaw as number one. As a you know, I don't want to diss Kershaw, um, but you know, truly, if 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 I have to bet on a game, I would feel much better betting on Bueller right now than I would on Kershaw. Um, and for another reason, you know, everybody knows what Kershaw is going to do anymore. You know, Bueller still has a a certain unknown. I mean, he's been in the league basically two years, maybe a year and a half. He's thrown sixty two games. 
but he's still got uh, development to do, and he's still got a lot of hitters out there that probably haven't seen him nearly what they've seen Kershaw, especially in the NL West. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Um, I think Bueller is, is you know, he's kind of like one and one A. I think they put Kershaw there just out of respect. Uh, but for my money, uh, if I'm betting one game, I'm, I, I like I like Bueller to win it more than I actually do Kershaw. You know, when I looked at the schedule, Uncle Dave, if you take the two games that they're going to play against Houston, now that'll be in like the second series after the opener, they're going to play the Giants. But, I mean, they're playing the Giants. They're playing the Padres. I mean, you have to go through – I mean, you got you got to go all the way down to like game forty when they play like the Rangers, like where you find like a team with like a, a decent winning record. And I'm not even saying the Rangers are that good, but I mean, you got to go all the way to like the A's, and that's the last series before the season ends. You know, where you actually find like a playoff caliber type team. Like I have a feeling, you know, that Bueller comes out and he's not going to end up getting. I have a feeling like he might not end up having to pitch the toughest games. But he's going to benefit in a big way, you know, with the way that the schedule just lines up. I mean, they're this team's playing a bunch of bums, and you know they're a big favorite, you know, for a reason because you know their their schedule. If you look at it, Uncle Dave, it looks rather easy. Um, I don't see a whole lot of strong pitchers, uh, you know, lined up for their their entire schedule. Now, I would probably play Bueller over. I wouldn't even, you know, I, I probably wouldn't hesitate to go ahead and play Kershaw over. I think, like you said, you know. The Dodgers have a chip on their shoulder, but I think Kershaw does it as well. And if he if he's pitching, you know, his normal, he's not going to be easy to hit. I I would I would tend to probably think maybe wins over for both guys. I understand, you know, maybe these guys won't get those strikeouts, but you know, I think they're going to stay stay out there on the mound long enough to go ahead and record a win. And in this lineup, you know, obviously Uncle Dave, you know, if they can jump out in some of these games, and I have a feeling some of these games are going to be over before they even start. Uh, because the lineup's just that strong. I could see those guys going over. Uh, not sure what you think about both guys over, but um, you know, I, I, I would lean over maybe for both guys. And, and I know you're a little hesitant playing anybody over, but again, you know, we talked about that rotation maybe being a little short. I don't know. Maybe these guys do pitch every four days, and they're just like, all right, you know, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. You know, with 60 games, big freaking deal. I got four days off, no biggie. Um, you know, maybe they, I, I – Maybe they do get over those five-and-a-half wins. What do you think? Well, I think that it's all going to depend on how the managers want to play it, really. I mean, is it theoretically possible? Yes. But in terms of pitching every four days, you know, I, I just don't see that happen. I mean, those guys are in such a routine of pitching on every fifth day. I mean, you know, they they throw their game, then they go do their running, and then they do – the bullpen session and then they do a simulated game and, you know, then they pitch again. So to get, especially a veteran like Kershaw out of that routine is definitely something I don't see happening. Now, uh, what I'm really interested to see is that that series against the Astros, because, you know, we already talked about it there. They're not happy with Houston. So, you know, there's a situation where I could see uh, maybe them, uh, depending on how the first couple of games go, um, throwing out uh, Bueller and or Kershaw on short rest, depending on what they did in the first couple of games, um, if they got any gas left, because you know they want to win those games. I mean, they, they like I said earlier, they got a chip on their shoulder. They made no secret about it. So I can totally see them shuffling a little bit to get, 
you know, Bueller and Kershaw maybe for sure, uh, and maybe a little extra work here and there, especially in that series. But I think after that, I don't think they're going to pitch on four days rest. I, I just don't see them getting a veteran guy out of that whole five-day thing and that routine. I mean, they're so regimented. I mean, I could be wrong, and it doesn't sound like an awful lot of wins, and you could still bet over because they're going to get, um, you know, probably 10 or 11 starts. Uh, but, you know, that is also predicated on them uh, leaving with a lead and the bullpen holding the lead. So I'm not going to touch those win totals. I totally see your point, and you may well be right. But I could make just as much of a case the other way around. Uh, so with that said, I'm not going to bet either way on them. I'm just sort of throwing out my my two cents worth here on, on why I could say yes and why I could say no. Uh, and if I can make a relatively equal case both ways, then I'm not betting on it. So, Uncle Dave, looking at the schedule, Kershaw will probably end up pitching the first game against Houston. It'll be the fifth game of the year for them. So Kershaw steps on the mound. Houston's there. What are the odds that Kershaw throws at the first batter in the box? Oh, I don't think he would do that. I mean, I think it would be cool. It'd be great TV. Um, Bueller might. I don't think Kershaw would do that. I mean, you know, with all the BS that the league went through last year with guys throwing at guys, I mean, you know, and it also would depend on who's behind the plate. You know, you get a an, an a-hole umpire behind the plate that doesn't take any grief. You know, you could see see him throwing at the first batter and have him tossing Kershaw um, right then and there. So I don't I don't see that happen. And then you could make the other argument, and I would feel much better about a guy like Verlander saying "f you" and throwing at the Dodgers' first hitter. You know, that would that would that would almost be something I could swallow more than the, the Dodgers throwing at the Astros because, the, the you know, the Astros are a pretty cocky team as well. So, um, you know, I don't know how much, how much baseball I'll watch this year. Uh, a lot of work to do with all these other sports going on, but that'll be one series I most definitely will watch. And I'll be really curious to see what the odds are. You know, are they going to be slanted in the Dodgers' favor because everybody knows they're pissed? Are they going to undervalue Houston? Or are they going to, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a that's going to be a tough one. Well, unfortunately, it'll only be two game series, but you know it's going to be interesting. And you got to wonder, Uncle Dave, if you know if let's just say you know somebody comes out of the bullpen and they fire fire a pitch at a guy, or maybe you know maybe Kershaw or Bueller or somebody does go ahead and fire a pitch at one of these guys, just to say look, you know we're pissed, you guys, you know you 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 gave baseball a black eye in a sense. You got to wonder if if there would be a a, a lengthy suspension coming for at least a game or, or two or something or however that, you know, they would, they would go ahead and choose to do so. But then I also wonder, you know, if baseball saying, you know, maybe we'll handle it where, you know, you can't do that type of crap and you can't tarnish the game and, you know, maybe Kershaw throws a pitch and they just, you know, get and say, all right, man, go to first base. That's, you know, whatever you guys want to do the crap that you did, then that's what you're going to get. So, I, I would have a feeling that they would they would fall more on the Kershaw side where if he did go out and fire a pitch, maybe he gets a warning and maybe he's still allowed to play and there is no suspension. So I don't know. I, I have a feeling MLB would be um, on the opposite side of, of, the, uh, of the Astros in that one. So I'm not sure if you have any other props here, Uncle Dave, or anything else that you want to talk about. We went through all the teams here. We went through the odds went through a, a, a decent amount of uh, player props here. You got anything else, Uncle Dave, for uh, for the NL West? I, uh, 
I still have work to do. I, you know, as of right now, I'm giving you everything I have. Well, Dave, I don't know if you noticed, but we were taking all of our player props from BetMGM, and now we have player props from, and we have a lot of props, like a lot more starting to surface, you know, at DraftKings, uh, even Sugar House in Pennsylvania, BetMGM. I saw some uh, batting averages that you can go ahead and get at Bet Online. But Uncle Dave, I want to ask you one more quick question before we close this one up. As of right now, it seems like a lot of the books, you know, are right around a player must have at least one at bat and, you know, play at least 40 games for for these bets to matter. There's a lot of books out there that just simply are not offering any no's, which is telling you that they're doing everything they can to go ahead and protect themselves. Now, there are some books that say, you know, a player must play at least 30 games. You know, I think shopping around and really looking for these bets um, is going to be really, really important. And the beautiful thing, I think, Uncle Dave, about betting some of these props is, you know, this isn't a full season. It's going to be a shortened season. So, you know, you're not going to have to have your money tied up with these books like you normally would. You know, do you want to talk a little bit before we close this up, Uncle Dave, about, you know, the 40 game situation where, you know, some of these, uh, you know, player props might actually end up getting canceled? Or do you th- do you see that more of as a benefit for the player or more as a, a benefit for the book? It's always a benefit for the book, which is what sucks. And um, I think that you have to know what your book, if you have one, only one that you use, which a lot of recreational bettors do, or two or three. You know, if you have two or three or more, you know, I, I think the thing is you have to know what that uh, guideline is before you make the bet because they're, they are all different. I believe... I saw Jeff Sherman of the Westgate tweet last night that their props were a team must play 59 games. Now that, I mean, that's fair. Uh, but yes, you're right. A lot of those others are, are 40 and pitchers are, are different, you know, to, to, you know the, and they obviously they have to be on the, the roster on, on day one, which is also very key because you'll have guys that might have been sick or whatnot that aren't on the roster to a game three or four. So I, I think the thing that I would just pass on to people sleepy is that you really should know those things at your book or books before you make the bet. And obviously if you've got, um, you know, if you're going to bet Kershaw under seven and a half strikeouts and you have three places to do it, then I think you want to do your homework and do it at the book that's offering you uh, the best advantage. Uh, you know, a book offering an advantage in, being in the same sentence is a little bit of like a military intelligence as an oxymoron, but I guess the, the less bad situation, if you will, for you to uh, cash that prop. Um, and, and that I think is important uh, because as I said, they're all different. They're all going to be different. You know, and if, if you look on your Twitter timeline or I know on mine, especially or direct messages I get from people, um, they're always saying, well, why did the book do that? And I, I don't like to say, well, did you read the fine print before you made the bet? But oftentimes that's what I want to say. Uh, or, you know, did the book cancel that bet? I mean, well, they're going to cancel that bet. I mean, even down to, you know, people betting bad lines, you know, you see something that should be, you know, uh, let's say, let's say it should be, you know, minus 220 and the book has inadvertently put out plus 220, and people are forever going, oh, I'm going to put as much as I can on that. Well, you don't want to do that, because first of all, they're going to cancel the wager. Second of all, it's going to flag you as an asshole. 
So the benefit that you might have got if the book let that slide, which they won't, far outweighs the benefit it would be for you to get a hold of the book and say, hey, you guys effed up, probably want to take that line down. So, I mean, I could go on on that forever. But to back to answer your original question, you know, make sure you know what your book's offering for for their way to get out of that bet uh, before you bet it, not 60 games from now. And as you were talking, Uncle Dave, you know, it's it's kind of crunch time right now. And, you know, it's not like we've had a whole lot of time, which sounds insanely crazy. And a lot of these books are starting to put out their numbers, you know, which, you know, how the bet's going to stand or how it's going to get canceled or how it's going to count. But, you know, you and I, we're going to start really digging into these player props now that we've had some time. Some of the books are starting to put them up all over. Some of the numbers are starting to be adjusted. But we're going to do a, a pretty much a MLB player prop pod. And we'll probably do that, I'm guessing, you know, probably like three days before the season actually goes ahead and starts off. But uh, we're going to have our AL West pod coming up next. We'll probably go ahead and drop that one in a day or two. Well, that's it, guys. That's our NL West pod. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. And you can always get Uncle Dave at Twitter as well, Dave underscore S. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck enjoy the games